Now let's go to the text. 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11. Let's read it together. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And Father, how grateful we are for the multifaceted gifts you have given us, all because of Christ Jesus, the giver. Every good gift comes from you. We thank you for that. Even when you remove a blessing from our life, whether it be a financial blessing, whether it be a physical blessing, whether it be a loved one that departs from us or whatever blessing you remove, many other blessings are still in place. Indeed, as David said in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forgive us when we complain about the benefit that we are missing that we would like to have in our lives and ignore all the other benefits. And of course, forgive us when we become so short-sighted that we forget the greatest blessing of all, the death of Christ on the cross and how he said for us, it is finished. Lord, remind us of this over and over. And as we go through this passage dealing with spiritual gifts, I pray that you would give us light, that you would give us understanding, that you would bless your people, that you would grant them, Lord, understanding with regards to their gift and that they would employ it for the furtherance of the kingdom to the glory of your son's name. This we ask in his wonderful name, Father. Amen. Now, the question that usually comes up with regards to gifts is, are the gifts mentioned in Scripture Still valid today. How can I discern what or which gift I have as a believer? Why is there such division amongst believers when it comes to the topic of gifts? Now, uh, obviously, we cannot deal with all these questions in one sermon. Uh, but I will deal with this one aspect of the gifts. What does it mean when Peter says here that we are to speak the actual words of God, the actual words of God. Spiritual gifts that you and I received, as I mentioned three weeks ago, are not the platform self. Sadly, many have used their gifts to promote self and to garner a following. That is the last thing that should be done when God gives us gifts. We are called to build each other up so that in all things, Christ is glorified. What a privilege for us to be living at a time like this so we can glorify Christ with our lives, with our gifts, with everything we have received from the hand of God. Now, to understand gifts, we need to go back to the Old Testament. So that gives us a great perspective of our current uh, blessings with regards to spiritual gifts. In the Old Testament, there are th three offices. There were three offices anointed by God. Three 
and only three. There was the office of the priest, the office of the prophet, the office of the king. And that's it. So when you see in scripture, you see these three offices anointed by God, therefore enabled to do works that were required by those offices. So the king was able to rule because of his anointing. The prophet was able to give the word and speak on God's behalf to bring the people back to God because of that anointing. The priest was able to instruct, teach, pray, and intercede for the people because of the anointing. That doesn't mean they were without faults. We see that happening over and over. They were men who had flaws and shortcomings and sins, but they were anointed. And God respected that anointing, and the people of God respected the anointing. And they were the only ones. Now, come Christ, we have in him the anointed one par excellence. He is the ultimate anointed one. That's what the word Christ means, by the way. Christos means anointed. He is the high priest whose priesthood is permanent and irreplaceable, right? As Hebrews tells us, he's the priest after the order of Melchizedek. Not, he's not a Levite. He's not of the sons of Aaron, right? He is the priest after the order of Melchizedek. So his priesthood is permanent and replaces the priesthood of the sons of Aaron. He is the king of kings of the sons uh, of the son of David, of the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the king of kings. And lastly, he is the prophet of prophets. His word is final. That's why we read in Revelations chapter two and three, Jesus speaking to the church, right? We don't see him sitting amongst the church. He stands and he walks amongst the church amongst seven candlesticks and speaks to each church, starting from Ephesus right down to Laodicea, the seven churches. And he speaks as a prophet. And that's what we see in Christ. He is the king, he is prophet and priest. Now, these two offices of king and priest were separated in the Old Testament. The monarchy and the priesthood were never mixed. But in Christ, all three are joined as one. And he is the ultimate king the ultimate prophet, and the ultimate priest. And so before him, we come uh, as children of God to receive help in time of need. We recognize his scepter of righteousness, his kingdom is in our hearts, and one day will be all over this earth. And he continues to speak to the church today. So he is, has all the gifts, and there's no gift missing in Christ Jesus. As head of the church, he is fully anointed. However, he's the head. With the head, there's a body. Who is the body? The church, the believers. How wonderful. He does not keep all the gifts to himself, but he shares them with all the members of the body. All of us. Not just a few, as in the Old Testament. Every single believer in the body has been given gifts of the spirit. This unique phenomenon is not reserved only for a few in amongst God's people or in the church. The extra, this extraordinary fact that the Holy Spirit has come on all believers was prophesied by the Old Testament prophet Joel. Listen to these remarkable words. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. 
It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Notice all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now imagine the prophet Joel saying this to the people of Israel in his day. They were shocked. You see, how could slaves receive gift of the Holy Spirit? I mean, the gift of the Holy Spirit was reserved for the three offices, not for slaves and male slaves and female slaves, really? Slaves were the lowest class of people. And yet God says on all of them, I will pour out my spirit. Every one of them, even slaves, even the most insignificant will have my spirit. Now jump to the days of um, Pentecost, the day after the days after Christ's resurrection. And we find that on that Jewish holiday, 120 were gathered in a large room, not in the temple, in a room. And who was gathered? Men and women. That was unusual. Because if you would go to the temple, the men never mingled with women. The men gathered alone. Women and men were never together. Here they were in a large room, all the men and women and who were they? No one important. Fishermen, commoners, Mary, an insignificant person from Nazareth. Women and men of no distinction. There is no king. There's no priest. There's no prophet amongst them. Nobody's gathered together in prayer. The ones to whom Jesus had appeared. And 120 of them all together. And there they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see how they spoke in other languages in a fashion that was clear and understandable by those who, who were there present, the large crowd that had gathered for this special holiday and through the rafters and through the windows and from everywhere their voices was heard and people gathered together for that holiday, heard God's name being praised in the languages that they had learned in, from their different areas of the Roman Empire. So Joel's prophecy was being fulfilled. Now we know that it wasn't only for insignificant Jews because even later, 3,000 of them gathered from everywhere, from every other part of their empire. They were too were baptized. They too received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then later on, we see Gentiles receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, we see Joel's prophecy being fulfilled. So Christ is the high priest. And as high priest, he has the body who are what? priests. That's why Peter says this. You are, in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I say these four things in particular in this verse. Chosen people, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. But I want to draw your attention to a royal priesthood. You see, the monarchy and the priesthood are one in Christ. Doesn't mean you're a king, but it does mean you are a priest. And one day you will reign 
Today we serve, just as Christ came to serve, leaving behind his rights. We are servants who serve as priests, every single one of us. That's the privilege that we have. And that's why we are given gifts, because to carry out our function as priests, we need spiritual gifts. We need empowerment. You are anointed to speak on Christ's behalf in this world. Not just a few Christians, not just a few pastors and teachers and the gifted ones. Every single one of us has received gifts from the Holy Spirit. You are anointed. Oftentimes I hear the prayer, Lord, thank you for your servant whom you anointed, referring to me. That is incorrect. All of us are anointed. Every single one who is a child of God has been anointed. and We've received special gifts from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now let's see how this truth fleshes itself out. Who has the right to speak in the church? Verse 11 again, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the actual words of God. Whoever speaks. So you take a cursory look, right, through the New Testament. Just read wherever, especially in the book of Acts and book of Corinth. And you will realize that every believer, learned and unlearned, men and women, free and slaves, Jews and Gentiles, were used of God to minister to each other. It was remarkable. Whereas in the Old Testament, only priests were the ones ministering and prophets and the king ruled. In the New Testament, you have everybody serving, everybody ministering. It was just a phenomenon. That's why Paul confirms this very fact in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you assemble, means when you come to your gatherings, each one has a song, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. All things are to be done for edification. Each one. That was remarkable. Now, three weeks ago, we saw how the church in Corinth was uniquely blessed with all the spiritual gifts. And these gifts were a blessing, but there was also chaos in the church because they were not correctly stewarded. But when the gifts are correctly stewarded, what an amazing move of God for the edification of the church. Now, it's normal that there's self that always comes in the picture because we all carry a residue of self. And so one of the problems is that when self comes in the picture, those who love to talk, talk more than they ought to. And we are not edifying, but we're platforming self. But like I said, the gifts are not given to platform self. The gifts are there for the edification of the church. And that's why in the church of Corinth, you had people platforming self by speaking in tongues uh, excessively without interpretation. And there was a lot of chaos that was happening in the church. Paul does not say that the gift is not real. Paul simply comes in with a word of advice and brings in correction. Since the new church, uh, since the church in the New Testament times was mostly in homes, you can see how in a smaller gathering, it's much easier to see this uh, fleshed out, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, where each one is participating. In our weekend gatherings, uh, it's, it's uh, not as possible 
and we have a limited number of people participating and a limited amount of time to allow this kind of participation. That's why we have home groups and we encourage people in the home groups to exercise their gifts, to read scripture, to share what the Lord shares with them, the words of Christ. In the New Testament, we see a diversity of gifts on display as opposed to what we see under the old covenant. In the temple of Jerusalem, only the priests and the Levites were working and were moving around. They were either slaughtering animals, offering prayers, offering incense, um, light trimming the candlestick, the candle, the, the, the menorah, the candle lamp, or changing the breads, singing the praises, and the people of God would participate. There were more spectators than actual participants, than actually being involved. In the New Testament, it's completely different. Completely different. But we have today, unfortunately, is this understanding that only a few in the church are gifted, only a few can function, only the professionals can work, and the rest are just to be participating by giving their offerings and supporting and, 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 and just encouraging, but that's as far as it goes. The New Testament concept is completely different. The leveling, the, the playing field has been leveled for everyone. No one Christian is more elevated than another. No one is more anointed than another. Each believer is a valuable asset to the body. Each one has been ordained, anointed, and commissioned to bring glory to God with the gift that he has been, she has been given. These gifts are to be used not only in the gatherings, but especially outside. That's what we see in the church. They were outside. Look at Stephen before the Sanhedrin. Look at Tabitha with the widows and the poor. They were just everywhere using these gifts. They were just not when they were coming together. The Corinthians were putting themselves on display by when coming together and everyone was speaking in tongues and, and, and just to show themselves. But you see the church, if you look at the early church in the book of Acts, wherever they were, they were ministering. The church was powerfully working for the good of the people to the glory of God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. When we do come together, you don't see in the New Testament everyone doing whatever they wish, okay? That's why Paul had to write his letter to 1 Corinthians. Everyone used their gifts, but it was the elders of the local assembly that assisted um, the people with the help of the deacons to make sure that the gifts edified the body of Christ. Paul, speaking about the ministry gifts, that is, those who were responsible, the elders of the church, uh, writes this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. He gave some apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, he didn't give these men so that they do all the work, so that only apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets, they and they alone are anointed. No, they are there to make sure that the anointed church of Christ is unleashed in the world to do the work of the ministry. 
And basically, that's my purpose today is to encourage you as a member of the body of Christ, not to hold back, not to hide your gift, because there's joy in serving our Lord. He gave his best to us. He gave everything to us. Don't hold back. Edify others. Bless others with the gift the Lord has given you. What are we to speak? Again, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. So what are we to be saying one to another? The actual words of Christ. Not just any words. Uh, some people, unfortunately, love to hear the sound of their voice. And they quickly speak and they eagerly share. Um, but that we must, we must be on guard against that. We are not encouraged to say whatever comes across our minds. You'll remember in Malachi chapter 3, we, we read that passage uh, two weeks ago, when those who feared the Lord spoke one to another. And a book of remembrance was kept. And in that book, the words are mentioned. Isn't it remarkable that when we stand before the Lord one day, the words we said one to another, the phone calls we made, the cards we sent, every prayer that was offered will be highlighted. They're not highlighted today. They're insignificant. Everything else is highlighted in the world, right? It's normal. You know, COVID-19 gets a, gets a lot of attention. But what's going to take a lot of attention one day, what is going to be highlighted will be the words that we shared one with another, the words of Christ. I know from experience, the more I meditate God's word, and the more I speak the actual words of Christ. If you want to make sure that you, want, that you are speaking the actual words of Christ, let Psalm 19 be your constant prayer. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Pray that over and over. Whenever you leave your house, whenever you speak with your children, whenever you speak with your spouse, just let that prayer be there. Because if you don't minister in your home, you can't be ministering outside. If you're upset in your home and you're discouraged in your home, obviously you're going to bring discouragement out or you're going to keep your mouth shut. But if you make this your prayer and you meditate on God's word, the first place you're going to be ministering will be in your very home, the very people that are in your circle. Are you ministering to them? Is your gift being used to bless them? Are you encouraging them? Are you praying for them? Are you praying with them? When you meet them on the sidewalk, your neighbors, do you bless them? Do you tell them that God is in control in this situation, that he's a giver, that he has blessed us by giving us ultimate gift, his very son? This is what we are to do. If we're not doing this, and we're speaking like everyone else, those words are not put in the book. Those words are not shared. They will not be highlighted. And all we're doing is speaking like everyone else. Well, let's hope things got better. You know, what can you do? This is the best we can have. What's the best? Let's work with what we have. That's all we need to do. We're God's people. You have an anointing. You have the spirit of God. What do you do with your gift? You're saying, right, I don't know if I can do that. Stir up the gift that is in you, Paul says to Timothy. So it can happen to anyone. It can happen to me. We can keep our gift so dormant, so inactive, we steward it wrongly, and we're not encouraging others. And that is to the detriment of the people around us. And we're doing a disservice to them. And we're not bringing honor to the Lord, who gave everything for us. 
We're not here just to live for self, just to live comfortably and, and, and watch ourselves from COVID-19. There's a greater purpose why you're here. You've been called by God. The anointing of God is on your life. The spirit of Christ is in you. Stir up that gift that is in you. Meditate scriptures. Give yourself to prayer and let the word of Christ dwell richly. As Paul says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Sing, daily sing. You don't feel like singing? You make yourself sing. Learn the hymns. And by singing and praising God, by reading his word, and by especially thanking him, thank him for everything. Don't look at everything you don't have. Thank him because sovereignly he has removed things from you. God has given, God has taken, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then thank him for everything you have. And then thank him especially for his son, Jesus Christ. And that is when the gift is stirred within us. Rebuke the spirit of murmur. Do not let any complaining words come from your mouth. Only words that edify, only words that build up, and only gratitude so that Christ is glorified. Share the words of Christ. Now, there are Christians, sadly, that are eager to share their dreams and their visions and everything that is unusual. No, it's the words of Christ, the words that have been revealed to us in Scripture. They need to be richly deposited in our lives so that they can freely flow from our lips. If we fail to meditate on his words, we will not be able to share Christ's words. We have nothing to give those who are discouraged, defeated, and weary. Think about it. Who, did, who encouraged you when you were down? Who helped you when you were uh, disoriented? It was someone who was uh, used of God because of the anointing, because of that gift. He called you. He encouraged you. Do the same now, brother. Do the same, sister. Don't just stay there waiting for encouragement from others. Use your gift. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Confess your sin for not stirring up your gift and use your gift. So when are we to speak? Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the actual words of God. Are we to speak only when we gather? Well, you say, look, I, I come to the gathering, I have nothing to say. You know, because there are others who are speaking. Well, obviously, the weekend gathering, there are a few of us who speak. Home groups, everyone can share. That's why the home groups are there. That's why we encourage everybody to attend home groups. At the prayer meetings, people share and encourage one another. But not only at the gatherings, especially when we're outside on the streets, when we are at work with our family, we should be sharing. The New Testament shows the necessity of teachers of pastors, of elders, of deacons, these who have proven themselves in the ministry because they've served when in duress, when in a terrible storm, they continue serving. That's why they are distinguished, not because they're more anointed than anyone else. What's an elder? What's a deacon? A deacon is someone that no matter what he's hit with, he continues, she continues to serve, right? 
And God's, God's word shows us the importance of these men and these women in the church. But everyone's anointed and everyone can speak. And that's why we are told that we are to speak God's words at all times. And especially within the church, Paul says, this is what should be happening in 1 Corinthians 14. Therefore, if the whole church gathers together and all the people speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are insane, that you're mad? But if I'll prophesy, so he's highlighting one specific gift. It's a speaking gift, prophecy. So he's putting prophecy in a special category. So there, were, there was a gift of wisdom. That's also a speaking gift. There was a gift of teaching. That's also a speaking gift. Gift of tongues, gift of interpretation. These are all speaking gifts. But he's isolating prophecy. Notice, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. If we all prophesy, you know what would happen? A revival. Because anybody walking in, anybody would be convicted. But if we just chatter and we just say empty words with each other, you know what happens? People are just leave. They come in discouraged, they leave discouraged. They come in tired, they leave tired. They come in confused, they leave confused. We need the gift of prophecy. Not just from one person, not from two or three. From everyone, everyone sharing the word of God with each other. When we do it in our gatherings, so in our home groups, in our prayer meetings, when we come together, when two or three are gathered, then we can do it out on the streets. Then we get, our boldness grows. The Holy Spirit takes over and we're doing it with everyone. We walk into a store and we will prophesy. We'll walk into a cafe and we will prophesy. We'll walk at the, we'll go we'll drive our cars to the mechanic and we'll prophesy. We'll constantly be ministering. In our workplace, wherever we are, we will be prophesying and the Holy Spirit will be using us for the edification of the church, for the salvation of the elect. What an amazing, amazing privilege. Start exercising your gift. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, Lord, you've given me a gift. I'm a priest. And not just some people are priests. I'm a priest and I've not been using my gift. I've been using my tongue to gossip, to murmur. God forbid to slander. Deliver me from all of this. I, I, I've been just a miserable person. Forgive me. Instead of gratitude, I'm murmuring. I want from here on in to prophesy fill me with your spirit then open your bibles and read and let the holy spirit just pour those words into your heart it is for this reason you are encouraged to edify one another please attend the home groups and let those home groups be a means of encouragement for you that's where you start speaking the actual words of god you start exercising your gift. Now there are challenges when it comes to exercising our gift. I want to address that as we close. How can we make sure that we edify with the gift that God has given us? Remember, we are to speak the actual words of God. There are challenges. Self is there. There's no question about it. And so we need to constantly 
keep self in check. And self, I would say, manifests itself primarily in three ways. This is how self manifests itself when we use the gift. First, we sense our inadequacy. And we're like Moses complaining, Lord, look, send someone else, have someone else speak. That, that was me. Uh, people constantly were telling me, John, the Lord has called you. The, Lord, the Lord's hand is on your life. And I would say, no, 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 not, not me. Someone else, someone else. And I always had a hard time to speak. I was an introvert, as I've told you many times. And, you know, even though as of late, I'm no longer an introvert. You know, some people say I've talked far too much. But um, that was my problem. And I just kept things to myself and whatever. I would reach God's word, but I just didn't want to speak. So I go to school, I go to college, whatever. And even at, in, in, um, in Italy, when I was in Bible college, I, I just wouldn't speak. And when I preached, because I was required to, I'd preach, 10, I'd preach for 10 minutes, literally, sometimes even less. I just didn't want to speak. I just didn't feel adequate. I didn't feel that I was saying anything worthwhile. And so I would pull back constantly. And um, God's word is there to remind us that we are inadequate in and of ourselves. Paul says that of his apostleship. Look at First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians three verses five and six. He says, "Not that we are adequate in ourselves, so as to consider anything as having come from ourselves. We're not adequate in ourselves. I don't. I don't have a special gift in and of myself. Paul didn't have the apostleship because he was special because he was a Pharisee and he was erudite." And he knew Greek and he was well-schooled. No, that wasn't the reason why. Our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. You notice, we're not servants of the old covenant. We're servants of the new. Not of the letter. In other words, not of the law, but of the spirit. God has made us priests under the new covenant. We are servants of the spirit for the letter, which means the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So we don't go around um, preaching judgment, telling them you're dead, you're finished. We're telling them you're alive. You are alive if you believe in the gospel. This is the amazing news we have. We are servants of the spirit. Paul is saying, I'm inadequate. I don't, I don't deserve this. I used to be a blasphemer. I used to torture people and imprison them. I used to curse this very name. But God has made me an apostle for the Gentiles, a servant of the Spirit. And you are a servant of the Spirit, beloved. Don't let your inadequacy keep you from opening your mouth. Don't let your inadequacy limit you. Share the wonderful news in the strength and power of the Spirit. Remember, God's grace is sufficient. Secondly, we have the eager beaver. The eager beaver. These are those who are always have something to say. Now, it's, it's okay in everyday life to have people like this. God gave them that uh, nature to speak and, and to be uh, talkative. They're the ones who love to talk and just be... Uh, the life of the party, if you would. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, we have to be on guard against just speaking whatever crosses our mind. 
And so the eager beaver just can't wait to speak because he's been reading God's word, he's been praying, and he or she is constantly speaking. And this person needs to remember First Corinthians rather 14.30. 1 Corinthians 14.30 14, says, But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, then the first one is to keep silent. The first one is to keep silent. So let's imagine I'm speaking at a home group or another setting, and, and someone else says, can I share something? I, I have something that I believe is appropriate for this moment. And then he, he I said, just keep back, stay quiet and pull back and say, of course, brother, of course, sister. We need to esteem each other and give room to each other in this way so that the gifts of the spirit are manifested. And that's how the church grows. That's the beautiful thing about the church. And so um, if we exercise both encouragement for those who are who feel inadequate, who, who keep quiet and pull back, and for those who are too eager, if we say, brother, let the other speak, sister, let the other speak, then we have a church that is balanced and, and a body that is all working, not just a few members, but every single one for the glory of God and for the edification of the church. Then we have uh, the easily offended. The easily offended. Now, this represents probably the most difficult of the three categories. Um, this is a sizable group of the church because we all are, um, we, all, we all get easily offended, right? So uh, this is probably something that as we grow in Christ, we overcome this. We, as we, when we come to Christ, we need a lot of affirmation. But the more mature you are in Christ, the less affirmation you need. You don't seek it, in fact. Paul wasn't even looking for praise. If you look at his life, he was praising everybody and nobody was praising him, right? The, he says, the more I love, the less I'm loved. So that's, that's the father. The father praises his children. A mother praises or um, encourages his kid, her kids. But the children rarely encourage the mother or the father, right? The parents um, know that. But as someone grows, they learn to esteem others. But the other thing that uh, happens when someone grows is they learn to accept correction. And there are many adults today that have a hard time with correction. They have a very thin skin. So if I'm exercising my gift and I have a thin skin, what happens is the person listening to me or the Christians that are listening to me, the home group, um, if they want to add something or correct what I'm saying, or the attitude that I'm showing is not a correct attitude, and they know that I'll get easily offended, they'll just hold back. And this happens far too often. And it, I've seen it happening with many, many believers. So they are sharing their, and they're looking for a commendation. They're looking for validation. Yes, what I've said is, it, yes, it's from the Lord, right? And some people go as far as saying, thus says the Lord. And by saying those words, thus saying the Lord, that's it. You've shut down all correction. You've shut down all evaluation. Why? Because you just said, thus says the Lord. We can't even use that. We should not be using that. There's only one thus says the Lord. It's scripture. We can say God's word says this. And even my interpretation needs to be tested against the teaching of scripture. So my teaching, my prophecy, uh, my words of encouragement, and whatever, my correction needs to be evaluated. And the elders have this task primarily in the church. But all believers 
are required to do this. All believers are required to exercise discernment. That's what Paul says in Thessalonians that um, one prophet in First Corinthians, rather, one prophesies and the other speaks in First Corinthians fourteen twenty nine. So the others have to pass judgment because if they don't pass judgment, it's we're allowing everything to come through. So how do we know if this is really from the Lord? How do we know? Well, we measure it against, against scripture. Now, there's got to be correction. There has to be evaluation. If there's no evaluation, and then the church is susceptible to all kinds of wrong teaching. And that's why you have so many teachers today who are on YouTube, who even are pastors of large churches, and they come across so forcefully. And no one corrects them, because if you correct them, you're out of the church. If you correct them, you're off the board. You're, you're, you're basically marginalized. No one can correct these men. No one can correct these women because they are untouchable. They are the anointed of the Lord. That is totally false. False. I am not more anointed than you, brother and sister. You are free to correct me. You are free to evaluate what I say. Is it according to scripture? Just like everyone else is free to evaluate what you say. So this is the biggest challenge we have. Most people do not want to exercise their gift because they say, well, I'm afraid of correction or I'm afraid of evaluation. You know, I'm uncertain. So if you are, if you feel inadequate, the Lord's word is clear. You are to exercise your gift and you are to be, you are encouraged to do so for the blessing of the church. If you are eager to speak and you're sharing whatever's coming across your mind, you need to refrain, slow to speak. You need to be that. Remember the words of James. And for those of us who have a thin skin and easily get offended, we need to ask the Lord for grace. Lord, give me grace so that I would accept correction. In fact, I want to be eager to accept correction. I'd like to seek evaluation. That's what we need to be praying and not just hiding uh, behind words like, thus say the Lord, and this is what the Lord put in my heart, and no one can take it out of my life and because I'm reading scriptures and you know, God gave me a dream and God gave me a revelation, all this kind of thing. We need correction. We need evaluation. So having said this, what are we to do now? Well, the gifts are to be, uh, Paul says, earnestly sought in 1 Corinthians 12. Earnestly sought, but always remembering that we are to exercise these gifts with love. That's why 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 is there. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes the various gifts, that they come from the Lord because he is the head of the church. In 1 Corinthians 14, he shows how they be, are to be exercised within the gathering. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, that's right. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, sandwiched between these two, Paul speaks about the supremacy of love. When I love the Lord, I will love the church and I will not be concerned about what they say about me. I will not be concerned about um, how they criticize me, how others, if I speak to them about Christ, I will love them as well. I will love people because I love the Lord. May the love of Christ fill our hearts so much to the point that we are driven to pray for others, to exercise our gifts, to bless others, and to glorify Christ with all the gifts that the Lord has given to the church. Let's pray together, shall we?
Heavenly Father, you gave the greatest gift of all. When you gave your gift, the angels must have looked with um, amazement when you gave your beloved son who gave up all his rights, all his privileges and his throne, his glory, set it all aside to come to this sin-filled world and live amongst us. My goodness, what a gift. And he grew in our midst, beheld by angels and yet unrecognized by men until a time when he was fully made manifest. And there we hear you say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But even there, only a few understood that Jesus was indeed the son of God, that he was not only the carpenter of Nazareth, but much more. What a gift. And you gave this gift willingly, joyfully, at great cost. While many do not accept this gift and many do not recognize it and understand it, you continue to use this gift for the salvation of your elect. Heavenly Father, if you've given so much and you give so freely, forgive us for holding back. Forgive us for exercising our gifts whenever it is convenient to us. Show us how to lay down our lives for the sake of the elect. Show us how to love each other, to go out of our way for each other, and to go out of our way for people who live on our street, the ones we work with, to exercise our gift, to share the words of the gospel that Jesus came to die for sinners so that whoever believes would repent and have eternal life. Lord, I just pray that the words of Christ would be so readily available on our lips that we would bless everyone who we meet, those who cross our paths. There are so many discouraged, so many who are downtrodden, so many who are just weary, so many on the verge of depression and others who even have suicidal ideation. And Lord, there we are silent. Forgive us and empower us, fill us. This is the time when we need your empowerment as a church. I prayed for the, every member of LCF. I prayed for the entire church, whether they belong to LCF or other churches. I pray that you would use us powerfully for the glory of your son's name, Father. Holy Spirit, equip each one of us. Deliver us of our fears. Help us to crucify self Help us not to give attention to negativity. Help us not to live compromising lives, but to walk in righteousness so that the words of Christ would flow from our lips and bless those around us. Thank you for the privilege, O oh Lord, of gathering today. Thank you for everyone who's come. And, and, and we look forward to meeting in person next Saturday. Pray, O oh Lord, all of this and the precious in glorious name of our Lord, our high priest, our king, and our ultimate prophet. In his name, amen.